0: Welcome to How I Grew My Practice, the podcast where health professionals share the behind the scenes stories of how they built a thriving practice. Each episode will uncover surprising challenges, victories and life lessons learned throughout their journeys. Let's get started.
1: Ben and Brittany, welcome to the show. How are you both doing today?
0: Doing great, Alex. Thanks for having us. Of course.
1: Um, Ben and Brittany, if you guys don't mind for the folks in the audience who do not know each of you. Um, would you guys quickly just give a quick intro of who you are, uh, how you got to venture practices, uh, and you know tell us a little bit about what's going on over there in, in your neck of the woods.
0: Uh, yeah, sure. So Ben Shaver, I've been in dental industry probably about 15 years, like a lot of us on the business side kind of fell into it. Uh, a lot of that time was spent marketing and had a marketing company, but over time realized that the internal team. Was really what drove success as far as getting referral patients and bringing people in uh, we do a lot with team communications team building a lot on the development side but that led to recruitment and having that marketing background has been really helpful in helping to source and recruit and honestly our, our big focus is retention as well so that's kind of what i specialize in and Brittany,
2: absolutely Uh, I've been in the dental space um, originally more in the community relations, also with a marketing background for about 10 years now, Um, met Ben, uh, really just uh, completely aligned with uh, just his philosophy on the way, you know, operations and people and marketing and, and recruitment should go. And that's how we ended up here.
1: That's awesome, guys. Um, So if you don't mind, just quickly, uh, for folks who don't know a little bit about venture practices, just elaborating a little on just the mission and what makes venture practices so different. I know that you guys are really focused on, as you mentioned, both um, uh, retention and uh, finding dentists and placing them in, in certain practices, specifically at DSOs. But what is it about venture practices that make you guys so different?
0: Uh, Yeah, and it's, I think a lot of it was kind of the accidental way we got into recruiting through marketing. I think when we started looking at a typical recruiting company, here's your placement fee, and we're going to go place ads under our name. And then as we get candidates in, we'll kind of send them out to the highest bidder. And it was just very transactional. So we wanted to kind of make things very different. So we do recruiting as a service. So basically, what that means is we're going to go source those candidates that aren't necessarily going to LinkedIn or Indeed, or maybe you're posting things to better teams or through your ATS or whatever that might be, we're going out there and actually trying to find high quality elite talent. And then kind of from there, what we realized was, okay, we gotta be able to keep this talent. So I think a lot of people are like, well, we don't care if you keep it because we'd love to come back and, and re-recruit. That's not our mission. Our mission is for you to have great teams. And also how do we get them to culturally fit? We use a lot with uh, disk and value assessments. So I got certified in that years ago, just completely because great communication in a practice means there's great leadership. Everybody knows where they're going, have their own agreements. So you can retain those uh, really great doctors that just spent a lot of money for
1: Brittany, did you wanna add anything there?
2: Yeah, no, um, exactly like Ben mentioned that they're, we're really focused on getting the right fit for your practice and um, just making sure that it's it's more of that long-term instead of just getting a warm body, uh, making sure that it, everything just aligns um, and that there's just a huge market out there for those that are not actively seeking, um, that are willing to, you know, uh, explore the right opportunity. So.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll add real quick to that, Alec, if it's okay. It's Please. kind of kind of like in marketing, you can go out and advertise for patients, you know, do your SEO, do everything through Google, uh, pay-per-click, all that. But that is only going to be for patients that are actively looking for a dentist, which is generally, you know, a pretty small percentage. But when you go and you do direct mail and you brand yourself really well, you're going to get those people that may not know you that eventually they'll come to you. So a lot of what we do on the recruiting side is duplicate that by creating brand assets. So people become very attracted to the practice and they may not be ready to jump now, but somewhere down the road, they may want to. So bringing a lot of branding and marketing into it has helped as well.
1: That's really cool. I mean, and as a marketer, that's what we would call is it. like creating demand, right? And that's selling a problem to somebody they didn't know that they had and right. getting your brand out there to say, Hey, this is something that maybe you should consider. So when you're advertising to an associate or lead dentist, what are kind of the key messages that you're putting out there to, to pique their interest so that they're aware of venture practices?
0: Uh, yeah. And usually like, we're going to work for the actual, yeah. I, right,
1: not yeah. For it, I got that. Um,
0: but a lot of what it is, is figuring out what they're currently doing and maybe even unwinding some of that. Sometimes just rewriting their ads can, I mean, Brittany, you did that a couple weeks ago with a hygiene ad. They hadn't had a candidate in what three or four months or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then you rewrite the ad and had two candidates and they ended up hiring somebody, mm-hmm. but it's really more looking at the overall picture um, like I said before, does the website really speak to them that this is a practice I want to be in? Does their social media look like a culture that they, they want to be in? So we, uh, we do a lot of that. And also we look at what are you doing when they come in to interview and, you know, do you send out a lot of people now send out boxes after somebody's interviewed that they like, that might have local coffee or just local thing, just these little kind of just triggers at the end of, we really want you. We're really thinking about you. We don't need a warm body. Um, and then of course, just making sure we've put together the right culture fit. Brittany, you want to add anything there?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think Ben, um, is spot on with all of that. Just, um, making sure that, you know, um, they're able to envision themselves in that practice. Um, going back to, Uh, You know, what sort of messaging Uh, that really just depends, too, on what is that practice looking for? What is their ideal associate? What's going to be the best fit? Um, But it can be messaging towards uh, just questions that they would typically have during their first interview. You know, uh, how many operatories, how many hygienists? um, What does what are the Google reviews? um, The area, just some information on the demographics, you know, operationally. Um, and then also just, you know, who are the key leaders there, who are the other doctors that they're going to be working with? What are their personalities? So we try to encompass all of it in one.
1: I mean, it really sounds like a very, uh, I mean, you're putting together an extremely elaborate content strategy to ensure that it sounds like you're answering all of the hard questions that dentists inevitably have to have answered before making the decision to sign on and join a team.
0: Yeah. And we're trying to do that upfront, right, so that mm-hmm. we, we don't get this back and forth, uh, you know, as we've worked more and more with DSOs over the years, those leadership teams, you know, we always think there's just these huge admin people there, and it's not, it's a very lean leadership team that does need support. And just being able to help them get that and go a step further, that's brought a lot of success.
1: I have to ask, you know, as a we as a, you know, someone who works at Next Health, We're constantly thinking about how technology improves, enables the team to move with a little bit more speed, agility, makes lives at practices easier. I would love to hear your guys' perspective as people who are speaking with dentists all the time. I'm guessing hundreds, if not thousands of folks in the industry. How does technology fit into their thinking about joining a practice?
0: And, and Brittany, I'll let you take this one here in a minute, but I was just going to say a lot of that too is they want the technology for sure, but they actually want the mentorship so that they know they're utilizing everything and being as effective as they can be and being efficient. So lots of times it's, you've got the people element with the technology, uh, but I don't know, Brittany, do you get a lot of questions about what type of technologies in the practice?
2: Absolutely. Um, if their focus is more... Um, Implants, You know, they want to know that there is that high technology or that um, you're willing to explore, you know, getting additional technology there. So that's definitely something that they're looking for.
1: So it sounds like uh, leveraging technology is a part of a brand that says we're thinking about your future, something that's That's... modern, something that they can grow into as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Technology is definitely a big thing, but it's uh, it depends. It's so different for each person, I think Mm -hmm. it's a better way to say that
1: and totally dependent on the practice and where it's located and, uh, which type of patients are coming in. I'm sure it's a total, you know, uh, affects how they think about technology in so many
0: different ways. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be paid on production. So for them, they want it to be as efficient as possible. So I can say this, it will work against you if you don't have the right type of technology.
1: Right. Some of almost like a table Mm stake. Um, So you're thinking about from a recruitment perspective, it's having a a strong content strategy, leveraging platforms that dentists are spending time on, trying to get the right message in front of them at the right time, whether that means joining the second or just letting something linger and have them think about it in the back of their head over time. Ultimately, that then leads to them signing and onboarding, which kind of leads into the back half of the conversation on on retention. Mm -hmm. How does venture practice think about like a healthy onboarding process for dentists to join practices.
0: I think the biggest thing there, Brittany and I both, this is kind of where we you know, start to merge together here, is you just have to be organized. You have to be completely clear. Roles and responsibilities have to be defined. I'm not saying you have to have a pecking order and an org chart, but you know, one of the greatest things I ever heard about associate dentists is you can't outsource leadership So if you're a DSO and you're sitting there thinking, okay, we're going to put this person in there, but we're going to take care of all the employees and all the important stuff, they still have to have some sort of leadership capabilities. So during that onboarding process, it's important to kind of test that and see what they have. If they don't have that, who else in the practice can step up and and fill that role? Is it an office manager? Is there team leads? one of the things that we're encouraging now, and I think this is a differentiator of what we do on the retention side is we get creative and we just say, what does it need to look like? So for example, we had a client the other day and one of the uh, things we came up with for them was having an associate advocate. So a senior doctor that comes in and spends that first couple weeks with them, maybe even a month, checks back in with them once a week and really helps guide them and make them understand you know, what they're looking for, because everybody says you have this clinical autonomy, which in a lot of cases might be true, but you've still got the services you provide and there is limits on that. Uh, But they, like I said before, they want mentorship, they want to learn, and that has to be part of the uh, onboarding process.
1: Brandy, do you want to add anything there on on onboarding?
2: Yeah, um, just with the onboarding, um, you know, if somebody is relocating to the area, Um, That associate advocate is very vital to, you know, helping them understand the area, showcasing that, you know, you do care about them personally, professionally, they're making a move um, to maybe a new location. So uh, introducing them to different apartment complexes or introducing them to a realtor in the area, um, but just allowing them to settle personally as well.
1: That makes a lot of sense so i guess even now going past onboarding and assuming that they had a healthy onboarding i love this idea of pairing them with somebody who is already at the organization and kind of being able to like quickly to answer questions uh give feedback right having that i think even at next health was extremely helpful in my onboarding mm-hmm. um but as we go to retention obviously your goal is to get dentists to leave where they are to come and join the practices you represent and then to not let that happen again, right? So like trying to keep the back door from closing. So what are your retention strategies to keep, you know, both lead and associate dentists happy over an extended period of time?
0: Yeah, the, the biggest one we deploy is the team communications training. So lots of times when a new associates coming in, we'll do a team communications workshop, or at least kind of go through with that particular person. Here's the staff, here's their behavioral styles, here's what they value. Uh, We will look at a practice ahead of time and get an idea on what that looks like. So for example, you might have a very um, assertive, fast-paced practice, does a lot of production, a lot of turn and burn. There's certain behavioral styles that that's just not gonna work with. And so we don't want to put an associate in there. That's, I mean, I think there's the idea of, well, they'll catch up, they'll learn, they'll get faster and, and maybe so, but that may just not be the speed of what they're looking for. Patients are the same way, right? Patients don't want to go into a practice that's turn and burn if they were looking for more boutique experience. So that's a lot of it is, is up front. And then we recommend regular check-ins. Um, you, you know, annual reviews are great but beyond just the associate advocate i think ownership needs to check in with them make sure they've got everything they need you know don't be too stingy on certain things like if they need certain hand pieces let's get it to them right mm-hmm. um have your own agreements with each employee so employees don't get you know into each other's business you know so if somebody needs to leave at three o'clock because they have kids they want to get that's their agreement mm-hmm. if somebody you know wants more money that's that's their agreement but The teams really work better when they know they're being looked at individually, that they're significant, that they belong. And so we try to get everybody ramped up in that room really quick.
1: Brittany, do you want anything back?
2: Um, Yeah, that just reminded me of, uh, I know Ben discussed uh, rewriting that hygienist ad. And one of the things that we added to that was um, the hygienist wanted involvement in the quarterly budget. So not necessarily having a full say, but uh, just wanting to take a part in that. So we did incorporate that into that job ad. And um, I believe that's, you know, what supported that. So just knowing what, you know, dentists and hygienists, what they want to be a part of and uh, that they have a voice.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you could, I think anybody can relate to that, right? Just feeling mm-hmm. a part of an organization and being in the know and understanding where, not just where you want to grow your own personal trajectory, but that you're a part of a large organization on a mission that has its own trajectory in itself. Um, And a lot of that just goes into how do you communicate with your boss? How do you communicate with the executive team uh, and kind of feeling like you have your own little place, you know, at the table? Mm -hmm. Um, Ben, what did you want to add there?
0: Oh, I was just going to say back to an ad we had one time, uh, just to kind of show a client how we could help. I asked her, you know, what are your hobbies? What are your interests? You know, you're trying to hire these associates into your practices. She said, I don't know, I'm a big dog person. You know, if they want to bring in a you know, support animal, I'm not one of these people that thinks that's weird. So I'm okay with that. But in the ad, we kind of did it more tongue in cheek cause that's who she was. And then at the end it just said, Hey, you know, I'm a dog lover. If you're a dog lover too, uh, send me along with your resume, uh, a picture of your dog. And so it was kind of one of these cool qualifiers that she was like, oh, look at this, you know, so it's just kind of those creative, fun little things you can do to see if somebody's going to be a good fit for you.
1: That's a really cool story. Um, so how do you guys, I guess, from the retention perspective, continue on Ben, what you were just mentioning? Um, I love this idea that you guys are kind of like looking, not as everybody is, uh, as a canvas, but everybody has their own unique personality traits and given those personality traits, you're putting them in what you think would be the right environment. So I think that's extremely unique and really special given that you're spending time with them upfront early in the process, helping them on board and placing them. But then a lot of what you said is about kind of like ensuring the right communication with their office, with their boss, with their, their, you know, other colleagues, how are you guys at venture practices helping there and how are you ensuring and following up that, you know, the right practices are in place?
0: Yeah, so that comes back to the coaching. So generally, after we do a team communication workshop, we'll do these, and I don't know what what they're called now, but they're uh, more like workshops. Is that what they are, Brittany? Where we get five of the five of them together on a call once a month, just so they can kind of talk through common problems. Uh, and lots of times, if there's that associate advocate, that person, that's helpful. And you know, usually it doesn't come down to team things at that point because we've onboarded them correctly; they sort of know. You know, they're not complaining about team members. They're ready to go, right? Like they took this job. They want to get in there. They want to do a good job. They want to serve patients and they want to make money. And so they're they're talking to their colleagues on these calls about how better to do that. And usually it's, you know, we don't have to do a lot of support there. They support each other. So I think that group kind of helps that sort of uh, having that colleague support that sometimes can be your best asset. I, I tell DSOs, you don't even have to have us moderate that. But, but make sure you have that available to you.
1: So it sounds like practice ventures is really acting as, to your point of moderator, until a point maybe or if you guys can take a step back when you think things are like really in a healthy cycle. Um, does that sound right?
0: Yeah, and, and to add to that, Brittany will even follow up with them 90 days in, get that feedback that they're more comfortable giving to her, right? Because she's that third party versus they're going to talk to the operations manager and say, oh no, everything's great, love it here. But then they're secretly like, eh, I'm, I'm not loving it. So Brittany can then, in a really nice way and successful way, broker some communication there.
2: Absolutely. Um, another tool with the retention is, uh, I know Ben mentioned the disk and values. Um, just knowing what they value, too, helps with the retention. You want to talk on that a little bit more, Ben?
0: Yeah. You know, everybody's heard of the disk, but we actually add that value section to it. Because if somebody's a big altruist, let's just say, and they're all about people, then these are the people that might go to those farmer's markets on Saturday morning. That's an itch they like to scratch. They, they wanna grow the practice that way. They'll be in the environment. Some may not, some may be more economic driven, more about practical results. But knowing what they value, you can kind of cater that. Um, even in those value assessments, work-life balance, we can see if that's you know somebody values that. And, you know, what's going to kind of make them hesitant as well. So we've had numerous times where people are like, I don't need more money. I just need a pat on the back. Yep, That's important to know, right? And they'll take the money. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they were like, am I doing a good job? I don't. Yeah.
1: Ben, just for, I, like, I, I, I've done a DISC before, but just for folks, if you don't mind, I'm just explaining a little bit more in detail of DISC and why I think it's actually such a really strong tool. And how it correlates back to retention. If you could just connect those dots for, for folks, that'd be really awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We do this with every client that we we start with just to get an idea of their communication style. But you know, you always hear about personality tests. You know, we've looked at Colby and Strength Finders and then fifty others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, disk is more of a behavioral assessment, so it's not really a personality test. Um, you know, something like a Colby is going to say, Hey, this is how somebody's going to act the day they show up and this is how they're going to treat their job. The disc, we can be a little bit more subjective. So the disc kind of runs through, you know, D, if you're a high D, you're going to be a little bit assertive, that type of thing. But D is more about how you solve problems. I is more about people. You know, you're going to be very interactive and, and be more about people. High S is more about pace. So high S's are kind of that duck on water, right? They look very calm and cool and collected, but underneath they're just <laughs> battling away. Uh, and then the C is more your detail people, um, more about procedures. But why that's important, and especially in dentistry, is you know in those admin jobs, you know people tend to go either task-related jobs or people-related jobs. So when you've got somebody that's supposed to answer the phone and convert a new patient, and then turn around and also file insurance and take care of some of these task oriented jobs that stresses them out. And if they're stressed out, they stress out the other people in the office, right? Um, Knowing that a dentist is a low economic and a high S they're going to be very, very loyal and not demand a lot of money. So we kind of call that a little bit more of a passive associate. So you're going to be able to keep them for a while, but that higher D higher economic, higher political that, you know, may want to go start their own practice one day. They're going to be a, big producer. So there's caveats both ways, but that's how those assessments really do help you determine what you need in that practice and what type of practice it is. Hopefully that was a, a good. Yeah. I mean, I
1: love, that. uh, it's kind of this idea of lots of candidates, candidates come with pros and cons. Those pros and cons are all based off of who they are as individuals, yeah. right? So to your point, having, uh, a dentist who may be a little bit more quiet, may be less economically driven, May have longer attention, but you actually may get more out of somebody who is so hungry. But that may come with personality caveats that may not fit the location that you're that you're placing that dentist in. Uh,
0: yeah, I'll give you one more example. If you're a high altruist, you're going to give away a lot of dentistry. So if it's and and that might not be a bad thing. Again, it depends on the practice, right? Because if you're trying to be community based, people are going to love that, uh, and you can put up some guardrails to keep that from happening. But just knowing that that's that person's typical behavioral style helps you kind of lead them versus manage them.
1: think it's so cool. I mean, we could do a whole conversation on how different discs fit different practice types. Right.
0: 26,000 different behavioral styles. So you can't put people in a box. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> well, I think there's, I you're, you're describing that there might be four boxes,
0: <laughs> right? But, but you've got, everybody's got a little bit of D in them and, um, you know, you're still going to get mad when somebody cuts you off in traffic right even if you're a low d so <laughs> it's it's there you can access it when you need to
1: that's right um i think it's very cool and it's really unique that you guys are spending so much time getting to understand folks not just in an interview process but actually having them take a formal assessment and then having not just a quality a qualitative lens on who these individuals are but as you grow in aggregate you can actually start seeing trends given the different types of disk assessments that are being filled out and saying oh we understand that this disk assessment individual fits really well over here. So I think that's, I think it's extremely cool.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll say one more thing on that. It helps with predictable conflict too. So we had a situation where we knew this associate was probably going to conflict with the office manager. So being able to come in and understand where that was going to happen and how it was going to happen and have both of them understand it, uh, kept that from getting bad at some point. So there's, that's another good benefit of it too.
1: Yeah. I mean, for those listening out there, it's almost, you know, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, well, probably makes a whole lot of sense for most dental practices to be asking their employees to probably fill out something like a desk. Just given how if you think about a dental practice, I mean, I don't want to use the word family because it's a choice. It's uh, you choose to work at a location, but you spend every day in a very tiny little environment with these individuals and having empathy and understanding what makes people tick what makes people excited, I think really goes a long way. And obviously those are things that you get to know with people over time, but having an assessment done early on really, I think gets it forces you to almost take the right step in the right direction earlier on as people build relationships uh, mm-hmm. over time.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great tool for patient uh, experience as well, right? Because if you know somebody's a high D and assertive and they just want to get out of there, they just need the bullet points, they're going to sign up and do it. Somebody's a high S they need or high C, they're going to need you to explain a little bit more. So, and you can observe these behaviors and know that. And that just makes you a lot better communicator. And Nobody likes to say sales and dentistry, but helps you, you know, get more treatment planning.
1: That's right. Ben, Brittany, um, we've covered a whole lot on what it means to recruit individuals to practices. And I think you guys have a really unique spin on the marketing lens that you guys bring to that. And I think all the things that you're doing from a process perspective for recruitment are equally as cool um, and extremely helpful, not just for DSOs, but I think best practices, what small individual practices should be doing as well. Um, we are at the 25 minute mark. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to share with our audience today? Uh,
0: no, I mean, just back to the, adding that branding to that, making sure if you're struggling to recruit, go and take a look at what your presence looks like online. Take a look at your website, because that may be what, what's holding people back. It makes our jobs a lot harder if you don't have great assets in place. You know, Have somebody do some really quality videos for you. Those are evergreen. They can last a long time. You know, find some good marketing partners that can push those you know, things through. So that that's the last part of that is you really do have to have a great brand if you want to attract elite talent. Absolutely.
1: Ben, Brittany, thank you guys for joining the show. Um, I know that there's a whole lot that we could be diving into again. I mean, we can have a whole conversation on disc or what it means to brand for employees. So I'm sure we'll have you guys back on the show again soon.
0: Yeah, we'd love to do it. Thank you, Alec. Thank you, guys.